Welcome to this message from Alpha and Omega Ministries International. We value the Word of God as an instrument of growth in our lives, using it to mend our ways, align our thinking, and ultimately bring restoration. We trust that you will be blessed and encouraged by what we have to share. Today, in my prayer time, as I is my custom, in prayer, seeking the Lord's faces to what He would have me share with you. I would like to receive a fresh word every time I share the word because um, He knows who would be here. He knows the kind of audience that uh, I'm going to have. He knows where each one is and what level of, of growth and maturity we are. And so I would like to get a fresh word or a now word so that I can share it with you. And so as I was praying um, and seeking God's face, he gave me a picture. Uh, that's not usually how God speaks to me, but sometimes he speaks to me in pictures or in visions, call them whatever you will. And in this picture, he showed me uh, people. And I'm not saying the people who showed me are here, probably uh, because this message will go far and wide. Um, he showed me people who were buried under a huge rubble. And um, from what I understood uh, beneath the rubble, it was uh, the thing that I picked up was the things that they were buried under was the one of them was pain, physical and emotional pain. The other one was disappointments. The other one was regrets, discouragement, unforgiveness, addiction, hopelessness, and offense. Now, when we visited Tony, Tony Cesano, um, Paula's dad, he said something very profound as we walked through the doors. I think he was saying a prophetic, making a prophetic statement. He said, Andrea, if, if we only knew when we remove the veneer and the facade, we will be shocked by what we see inside of people's souls or hearts. You know, I didn't know what he was referring to later. Of course, I understood. But this vision speaks very well into that. And so I prayed about it and I said, Lord, what are you saying? And he also let me understand that the people under the rubble were unable to shake off or push those things that kept them locked in a cycle of, um, if I could call it, defeat. And they couldn't push them off. And I heard the Spirit of God say these words, tombstones or stepping stones. Think about that. Tombstones or stepping stones. That's why I've titled this message, Tombstones or Stepping Stones. And then the Spirit of God began to speak to me about the various tests and trials that we go through in life, whether they be personal or whether they be work-related, the opposition and the pressure we face many times have a unique way in developing character within us if we view them from God's perspective and how we face them. 
And so they have these tests, these trials, these challenges, these pains, these disappointments that come along, these offenses that, that come along our path as we walk the walk of faith. They have the power to either strengthen us or break us. Uh, it all depends how we face them and what we do with them when we face them. They can become our stepping stones to greater things, or they can become our tombstones and all our dreams and purposes of God get buried underneath. So this is vitally important, how we face these tests and trials that often come along our way. If we view them with God's perspective, they can become destiny helpers or destiny killers. And it's important how we face them. The Bible says that what defeats us in life is not the things that come from outside, is the weakness on the inside of us. When they come, if there's no spiritual fortitude and strength to face them with courage and overcome them, then they defeat us. And uh, the Bible says in Proverbs chapter 24 and verse 10, if you faint or falter in the day of adversity, your strength is small. So what these tests and trials tell us, they gauge our strength or our stamina or our fortitude. You understand that? So it's a, it's a form of gauging where you are spiritually whether you are strong enough to face and overcome them, or whether there is weakness within our spirits and we get overcome by what we face. It's very important. So, and as I, I, I take my life as an example because I've lived the life I know, and as I look over my life over a period of almost 47 years in the Lord, I can clearly see that every trial, Every test that I faced and the Lord allowed me to go through has served to bring me to the place where I am today. The good, the bad, and the ugly. All working together, bringing me to the place where I am today. Well, every form of resistance, every form of pressure and opposition I faced helped to develop the kind of a person that I am today. Not perfect far from it, but stable and not easily shaken or moved by what goes on around me. And I think that is the desire of the Lord to bring his children to a place where they become immovable, unshakable in a shaky and unstable world that keeps changing every single day. You look around you, things change so fast today. And we need to be strong in the Lord. We need to have a faith that is robust, that is strong, that we can face the adversities of life with a smile on our face, knowing that we have a heavenly Father, that He looks after us, that He cares for us, that He protects us, that He provides for us. And as long as He's with us, who can be against us? That's the kind of faith that we need to live in the day that we are living today. The days are getting darker and darker, and the evil is being multiplied. And it's been prophesied. 
The Apostle Paul writing to Timothy said, Know this, son, that in the last days perilous times will come, hard to bear and hard to deal with. He warns us. Why? Because he said men will become more selfish. They will be lovers of themselves. They will be disobedient, disrespectful to parents, and on and on and on, unthankful, unholy, and so on and so forth. And because sin is multiplied, darkness grows. But in the midst of darkness, God has a remnant of people through whom he would like to demonstrate his loving kindness and his power. And that's you and me. But if we're not strong enough and we faint at every opposition we face, God is unable to release his grace, his power, and his love through us. And before we can take care of others, we need to be whole in ourselves. Amen? Praise God. So, every form of resistance, as I said, that I faced helped to bring me here where I am. And so these trials can become stepping stones, bringing us ever closer to the fulfillment of our destiny. Or they can become our tombstones underneath that we are buried, under the pain, under the disappointments. You meet some people, they profess Christianity, they profess faith in Jesus, but their attitude is one of defeat, complaint, murmuring always focusing on the pain, on the negative, on the disappointments, on the, on the offense or the hurt or the pain they've gone through. That means they're not healed. They haven't overcome. They're still buried under those things. And that is not the will of God for us to remain underneath. It is the will of God to step on them and go further uh, where we can become useful and productive in the kingdom. <coughs> And I, 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 I say this, any one of those trials that I faced could have derailed me from the purposes of God. Or even worse, they could have buried me underneath. But they didn't. Not because I'm someone special, but because I kept my eyes on the Lord and I kept my spirit fed and nourished in the word of God and in prayer. If you don't do that, you will never be able to stand against your adversaries. People who don't have a regular prayer life, people who don't study the Word of God, not just read it, but study it and take the time to invest in the spiritual development, there will come a time when they will not be able to stand. They will be overcome rather than overcoming. And I believe this is the greatest weakness of the church today, and I'm speaking in general. People seem to have time for everything else. But when it comes to the diligent study of the Word of God and prayer, they just don't have time for it. Too busy, too distracted. Like Martha. Martha was about doing good things. Jesus said, Martha, you are troubled. You are worried about many things. But one thing is needed. And your sister Mary has chosen the better part, which will never be taken away from her. The time you invest in the Word of God and in prayer, know this. It is an investment that will produce many returns, godly returns that will never be taken away from you. Not in this life and not in the next. Everything else will stay here behind, but that you will take with you. And so we need to have a perspective that is eternal, not just temporary. 
Amen? These are the kind of kingdom people who have an eternal perspective. They live lives with eternity in mind. I am here for a season. I'm not here forever. While I'm here, I want to invest my time in what is most effective. Amen? That's the kind of people that he wants us to be. God wants us to be that. You see, I had a choice. Everyone has a choice when you meet these challenges of life. When you get hurt, you have a choice. Either you forgive or you don't. Forgiveness is not a feeling, it's not an emotion. It's a choice. I have a choice to love you or not to love you. I have a choice to, to walk in forgiveness or not to walk in forgiveness. It's my choice. And, I, and we shouldn't, as believers, we shouldn't allow our emotions or our feelings govern our decisions. Almost every morning I wake up and I say, Lord, I choose to walk in love today. I say it with my mouth. I set the course of my path with the words of my mouth. I choose to walk by faith and not by feelings. It's a choice. Amen? And each one of you needs to make that choice every single day. The devil doesn't sleep. He's always devising how he's going to get you down. But if you've already set your path and set your track from the morning, it's like you, you get into your car, you press Google. I like Waze, by the way, anyway. And I know where my destination is going. I know where it's going to take me. I know where there's traffic, and so I avoid the traffic. And that's, how, that's what we should do with the words of my mouth. Speak the word of God. Early in the morning, Lord, I choose to walk by faith and I choose to walk in love today. I will not be offended. I will not grumble. I will not complain. I choose to give thanks and praise to you because you are my heavenly father and you take care of me. What a way to live your life. Amen. Praise God. So either I would... Um, I had a choice to fight the good fight of faith or and continue to run the race that is before me or allow these trials to discourage me to the point of giving up and retreating. You ever been feeling like, oh man, this is no use. You just want to give up. You just want to walk away. And there have been times that I felt that way, but I made the choice. I'm going to get up and I'm going to go on. I'm reminded of a man who sat at the pool of uh, Siloam or whatever pool it was, Bethesda, for 38 years, the Bible says, crippled, unable to walk. And he sat there waiting for the angel to come to stir the water so that he can jump in, but he couldn't because somebody else always got in first so that he could be healed. Because the first person who jumped in when the waters were stirred were healed, was healed. And this man, 38 years lying there, Jesus walks up to him and he says, do you want to be made whole? Do you want to be? What a question to ask someone who's been sitting there for 38 years waiting to be healed. Why did Jesus ask him that? Some people love to be sick. Why? Because they attract sympathy. And what do you call self-pity? Oh, poor old you. He said, Lord, I don't have a man. And Jesus said, get up, take your bed and walk. Notice, Jesus didn't lift him up. He got up on the word of the Lord. He could have said, Lord, how can I get up and walk? I'm crippled. 
Some people are waiting for someone to come along. and But the Lord says, you get up, take your bed and walk. Why are you sitting here for so long? You have the word. You have the spirit of God. You have everything you need. Get up and do what is you're supposed to do. Do the right thing. And the man got up and he walked. Amen. What does that tell us? There are, there are times when we need to just, no matter how painful it is, no matter how we hurt, get up and do the right thing anyway. Because that's what we're supposed to do. Amen? All right. So, it is the same choice we all have in the midst of all the challenges and all the trials that come our way. Our attitude towards them makes all the difference. Attitude makes all the difference. Now, either we, we, we decide to engage these trials with the Word of God or give up and allow them to overwhelm us to the point of compromise and retreat. Listen to what the Apostle Peter said in 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 10. He says, But may the God of all grace, who called us to His eternal glory by Christ Jesus, after you have suffered a while, perfect, establish, strengthen, and settle you. Notice those words. After you have suffered a while. That tells me the tests and trials carry a measure of suffering along with them. Suffering is part of God's plan for his people. The word says that even Jesus, though he was a son, he learned obedience by the things that he suffered. Jesus didn't bring obedience from heaven here. He learned it here. How did he learn it? He learned it through suffering. And so he says, after you have suffered a while, he will perfect you, he will establish you, he will strengthen you, and he will settle you. So allow God to perfect that which he began in you, even if there is a measure of suffering through tests and trials that we go through. And not all of us face the same trials. Amen? Now, we need to ask ourselves from time to time, what kind of a test or a trial am I facing today that is threatening me, intimidating me, harassing me, and even threatening to bury me. When I faced the challenge with this diagnosis the neurologist gave me, I cannot tell you the, 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 the fear that has gripped my heart, the struggle that I went through because this, this test was threatening to end my life, to end my ministry. My face is my ministry. This thing, they say to me, it starts in the eyes and it progresses down into your chest. You cannot swallow and in times you're paralyzed, you cannot walk. And then he tells you it's incurable. How do you face this? I tell you how I faced it. I went to the Lord and I said, Lord, how do you want me to fight this thing? I'm not going to just sit down and play dead. How do you want me to resist it? And he gave me a plan. 
Thank God today I'm well. I don't care what medical science says. It's incurable in their terms, but not incurable with God. All things are possible with God. And it's time we start believing him for the impossible things, not just for the possible, because we serve a great God. So what kind of a trial are you facing today that is threatening you, intimidating you, worrying you? You go to bed, you can't sleep at night because you look at the future and you are terrified. Many Christians are terrified of the future, and they shouldn't be. So, or even threatening to bury you. Goliath stood every single day for 40 days, stood on the mountain, and challenged the whole nation of Israel. 40 days, intimidating them, threatening them, harassing them, and they all ran and hid. No one had the courage to stand up until a young man stepped on the scene and he told him exactly what he would do to him. When you face a trial, don't keep your mouth shut. That's the wrong attitude. We need to speak and we need to speak the word of God. And so David steps on the scene. He's just a youngster, but he's fresh out of the presence of God, freshly anointed, strong in the Lord and in the confidence of his covenant. And he says, who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he threatens the armies of the living God? The rest of them forgot who their God was. They forgot they had a covenant with God. They were terrified because of the size of this giant. But David was not moved by what he saw. He was moved by the covenant he had with God. He says, today I'm going to come, I'm going to take your head off of your shoulders, and I'm going to feed your carcass to the, to the, to the birds of the, of the field. And you know what? He did exactly what he said. He says, I come against you in the name of the Lord of hosts. You come against me with this spear and this sword, but I'm coming against you with the, with the name of the Lord of hosts. David understood and he knew who he was. And he knew that the angels of God and God himself was with him. And he faced him alone and he defeated him. And that's how God wants you and I to face every trial, every test, every temptation that comes our way with confidence, with faith, because we know who we are. We are children of the living God. You are a citizen of the kingdom of God. You're not just anybody. You are unique, you are loved, and you are special, and God is for you and not against you. With that kind of attitude, you can face anything. And that's the kind of attitude that God wants us to have. And let me say this, we cannot shut the devil's mouth. He's going to open his mouth and he's going to speak. You wake up in the morning and the first thing that comes into your mind is something negative. You have a pain in your side and you say, oh, and he, then he puts the thought into your mind. I wonder what that is. Maybe I should go to the doctor and take a test. That's how he attacks. You can't shut his mouth. But what we can do, is stand up and resist him by speaking the word of God. Amen. Sometimes we need to talk to ourselves, folks. David did. 
he encouraged himself in the Lord, the Bible says. And he spoke to his soul and he said, Soul, my soul, bless the Lord and forget not all his benefits. Who forgives all your iniquities, who heals all your diseases. You see the value of knowing the promises of God. But if you don't know what God promised, you have no weapons to fight him. But if you do know what belongs to you and who you are, you have confidence to fight him and resist him. And that's what God wants you to do. So whatever we are facing, whatever you are facing, that communicates fear, intimidation, worry, you need to stand up to it. You need to confront it, face and overcome it. Or it will certainly overcome you if you don't overcome it. It's a fight that we need to fight. That's why Paul tells Timothy, fight the good fight of faith and lay hold of what God promised you. You see, the blessings of God don't just fall on us like ripe cherries off of a tree. I wish they did, but they don't. Everything God has given you and I is obtained by faith. And there is a struggle to obtain it, to possess it, and to experience it. I had to fight for what I have today when it comes to my, the healing of my eyes. I didn't just play dead. I didn't listen altogether to the neurologist. If I did, I wouldn't have put up a fight. Why fight if there's no hope? But if there's hope, you fight. You stand up for what you believe. You're not moved. You're not shaken. You steady, you stand on the word of God. The Bible says Abraham was not weak in faith. And because he was not weak in faith, he didn't even consider his own body 90 years of age and his wife 99. No, he was 99 and his wife 90. Can any woman at 90 years of age bear a child? Yet the Bible says he was not weak in faith and he considered not his own body. He didn't waver or stagger at the promise of God through unbelief, but he was strong in faith and he was fully persuaded. God wants you and I to come to a place where we are fully persuaded what we believe, whom we believe. When we get to that place, we become unshakable and unmovable. That's when the miracle starts happening. But if you waver, if you are unsteady, if you, if you, yes, yes, pastor, I know the word of God says, but. That's what the children of Israel said. Yes, the land of promise is good. We've been there. It's flowing with milk and honey, but there are giants. And therefore we cannot overcome them. And God says, as you have spoken before me, so it shall be to you. For 40 years. You will wander in the desert and you will never enter my promise or the promised land that I promised you. Why? Because of your unbelief. Because you said we cannot overcome them. And yet I say to you, go in and possess it. You see that? Attitude. What was their attitude? It was an attitude of defeat. But two of them, Joshua and Caleb, they had another spirit, the Bible says. They said, let us go up and possess them. You know what I believe? I, I really believe that if just two of them went up, God would send his angels and, and gave them the promised land. But the two who believed were held back for 40 years, folks. 
not because of their unbelief, but because of their unbelief of the people they walked with. That's why it's so important that you got to choose who you walk with, because they can either hold you back or they can propel you forward. I heard someone once say that people are like elevators. Some will bring you up and some will bring you down. They were held back for 40 years because of other people's unbelief. I don't think that's fair anyway. <laughs> I don't think it's fair. But they patiently waited for 40 years. And then Caleb says at the end of 40 years, says to Joshua, Hey, Joshua, I'm 80 years of age. I'm as strong as I was 40. Give me this mountain. What a faith. Old age is a state of mind. He was 80 years of age when he said to Joshua, Give me this mountain. I'm as strong as I was then 40 years ago. Some people are dead before they reach the age of 60. They stop dreaming. They stop working. They stop uh, visioning. They stop. They stop because they said, I'm too old now. Time to retire. I said to somebody asked, when are you going to retire? I said, never. The way I want to go home is I want to stand before the pulpit and preach. And when my time comes, poof, I fall down and I go. No retirement. There's no retirement in the kingdom of God, folks. Trish took us to St. Giles the other day with Stephen. I don't know how old are you, but I couldn't catch up with you. <laughs> Praise God. So let's be like Caleb. Yeah, I said, oh, give me this mountain. I'm going to take it. Give it to me. I'll fight for it. What a faith. What a courage that he had. And he did. Praise God. Well, where are we now? <laughs> uh, so whatever we face, God wants us to confront it, overcome it. And we do that through faith in God's promises. That's how you do it. That's why it's important for you to know what God promised. You need to be mindful of what God promised you. And one of the promises he gave us is that he says, no weapon formed against you shall prosper. That means Nothing that the enemy comes up with, no device, no weapon, no destruction that he comes up will ever prosper against you. Do you believe that? I believe that. That's the promise of God. Yes, and whatever the devil planned against you or me or your family will come to nothing if you stand firm in your faith in God, willing to fight the good fight of faith. That is a condition for every promise. Now, we have so many examples of the men of women of faith in the Bible. Who, The Bible says in Hebrews 11.33, who through faith subdued kingdoms, they worked righteousness, obtained promises, stopped the mouths of the lions, quenched the violence of fire, escaped the edge of the sword, out of weakness were made strong, became valiant in battle, turn to flight the armies of the aliens. How did they do it? Through faith in God's promises. That is a weapon. The faith that overcomes has been given to us. Take, for example, the, uh, the, the life of Joseph. Uh, one, of the, one of the characters that I, I really admire is in the Old Testament is the character of Joseph. This, this man... This youngster faced 
severe challenges and opposition to his faith and to the dreams God gave him like no one else. The Bible says that until the promise of God was fulfilled in his life, the word of the Lord tested and refined him. He faced persecution, abuse. He faced betrayal by his own brothers. They sold him as a slave into Egypt. Can you imagine the pain that he endured out of that betrayal? And he was just a young man. Then he endured the false accusations by his master's wife, unjust treatment by his Egyptian master threw him into jail. And finally, he was forgotten by the friend he had in prison whom he helped and ministered to. He says, remember me when you get out. He interpreted the dream that he was going to get out. And he says, remember me when you go out. But he forgot him. And you know what? Every trial Joseph faced brought him one step closer to the throne. Every trial he faced, every pain he endured, every uh, emotional and, and, and physical and spiritual attack, he was able to overcome it and became a stepping stone closer and closer to the throne of Egypt. What a man and what a faith. And remember, he had no Bible like you and I have. He had no church to fellowship with. And he was a young man in a foreign land, all alone. Today, we have Bibles, we have preachers, we have churches that we fellowship with. We have all the help we need. We have the Holy Spirit. We have so much more than Joseph had. What was the secret of this man's faith? I like to know. If you have a revelation, let me know. I have a suspicion, but I'm not sure. It must have been the upbringing that he had in his father's house. There's no other explanation. How did he get to that place where he had such a robust faith that he faced so many challenges, so, many, so much opposition, betrayal, unjust treatment, and he kept going, and he kept going. And the Bible says, and God was with Joseph, and God was with Joseph. Wherever you put him, he prospered. You put him in jail, he prospered. You put him in, uh, in, in, a, in, a, in a house as a servant, he prospered. He prospered so much, his master said, I give you everything. You run it. I don't want to know. All I want to know is what I eat on the table. What was the secret of his faith? Yet he overcame everything. So, the Bible says that the weapons of our warfare are not carnal. They're strong in God. And they are able to pull down every stronghold, every imagination that holds us captive. Listen, folks. The battle of the mind is where every, every battle is won or lost here. If your mind is not renewed with the promises of God, you have no defense against the fiery darts of the wicked one. If you can win the battle here, you've won the victory. That's where it is fought. That's why our mind needs to be filled with the Word of God. I don't want to keep you any longer. I'm going to cut it short. 
But I'm going to read you a few verses from the book of Revelation and the promises that Jesus gives to those who overcome. <coughs> Revelation chapter 3, verse 21. To him who overcomes, I will grant to sit with me on my throne as I also overcame and sat down with my father on his throne. Revelation 2, 7. To him who overcomes, I will give to eat from the tree of life, which is in the midst of the paradise of God. Revelation 2.17 To him who overcomes, I will give some of the hidden manna to eat, and I will give him a white stone, and on the stone a new name written, which no one knows except him who receives it. Revelation 2.26 And he who overcomes and keeps my works until the end, to him I will give power over the nations. Revelation 2.11 He who overcomes shall not be hurt by the second death. Revelation 3.12 He who overcomes, I will make him a pillar in the temple of my God, and he shall go out no more. I will write on him the name of my God and the name of the city of my God, the new Jerusalem which comes down out of heaven from my God, and I will write on him my new name. What promises the Lord has given to those who overcome? Over and over again, Jesus speaks to and gives promises to the overcomers. He promises nothing to the defeated, Nothing to the complainers, the murmurers, or the excusers. In South Africa, every time these politicians come on the screen, everything is, is blamed on the apartheid. Now we've received independence now 30 years, and everything is blamed on the apartheid. Never take responsibility. If you don't take responsibility for where you are, you'll never recover. Now, Here's the good news. Did you know that you are an overcomer by nature? Did you know that? The Bible says you are. Here, 1 John 4, 4. You are of God, little children, and have overcome them. Past tense. Why? Because he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. Second verse, 1 John 5, 4. For whatever is born of God overcomes the world. You're born of God? Then you overcome the world. You are an overcomer. It's time you act like one. If you are, act like one. Change your attitude. Face your trials. Overcome them. Give praise to God and move on. Because you are an overcomer. Amen? Praise God. I'm an overcomer by faith. Because God said so. It's not how I feel. It's not what I look like. It's what God says that counts. So remind yourself every day. Good morning, Alex. Did you know that you're an overcomer? I am an overcomer. Good morning, Amy. Good morning, Grant. You're an overcomer. Talk to yourself. Believe that. Stand on it and fight the good fight of faith. So let's pray. Father, thank you so much for your word that encourages us, strengthens us, and enables us, Lord, to fight the good fight of faith. What a faithful God you are. 
We thank you for your promises. We thank you for your grace. We thank you for your mercy. We thank you for your presence. And we thank you for all these exceeding great and precious promises you give us. By them, we overcome. And we thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to this message. For additional resources or more information about this ministry, come and visit us at alphaomegaint.org.za.